This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. On June 23rd, 2019, Philip Schwab killed Kaylin Blue, his girlfriend of seven years. He stabbed Kaylin while she was in bed sleeping. She woke up and tried to run, but he continued to attack her, stabbing her 24 more times. Philip buried Kaylin in a shallow grave in a flower bed at their home. Philip posted hundreds of Facebook status updates on the weekend he killed Kaylin, many of them alluding to what he had done. Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? It is going good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. We, we are excited to be here on our Monday case. I'm really excited about this case because I have to tell you that this case is really the impetus for True Crime Paranormal. This case actually happened before we started this podcast by about eight months. Yeah. But when it happened, I saved everything, screenshotted, saved everything that I could on my phone. I was fascinated by this case. Mm -hmm. And it really is what started me thinking about doing a true crime podcast. Yeah. And here we are now doing this case. Yeah. That's and this case hit the news just recently, and we went, mm-hmm. how have we not done this case? Right. Yeah. How have we not done this case, the actual impetus for this podcast? Mm-hmm. Well, it just finally resolved, and so I feel like it's a it's a good time to share it because mm-hmm. we can share the whole story. Yeah. Yeah, most so, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's a biggie. Oof. It is. It is a biggie. It is a local one to us. I know you guys hear us share things that um, we happen in our community quite a bit, but I got to tell you that I doubt there are any other podcasters out there sharing Idaho cases. (laughs) Not probably not many. No. I mean, other than the Daybell Vallow case, which we know lots of people are sharing, but other than that, I mean, it's pretty much us talking about the stuff that happens in Idaho. And, you know, we, we have murders here just like everybody else does. Mm Mm-hmm. People and like as to you think guys that, know, sometimes some freaking whoppers, you know. Yeah, sometimes some really, really weird ones. And this yeah. is definitely one of those weird ones. Yeah. So this all started on June 23rd of 1999. 19, no, 2019. What am I? I've got all my nines mixed up. <laughs> I know, you're like. It did? What? Wait a minute. I thought maybe you were backing up to when they started dating or met each other, but they so Kaylin Blue and Philip Schwab met in 
2012. Yeah. They've been dating for seven years. Mm-hmm. They lived with Philip's mother. And they were both adults with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so they lived with Philip's mom, but they were as independent as they could be. Kaylin had a job. She mm-hmm. worked at Walgreens. She was beloved there. Oh, she'd worked at Walgreens for 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And had been, it, it was actually her coworkers from Walgreens that alerted her family that she had not shown up for work for a couple of days and was not answering her phone, Facebook messages, texts, nothing. Which was then, really weird for her. Yeah. Yeah. Very not, not the norm for her at all. And so they got really nervous. And so the so what had happened is that Philip's mother was out of town. So Kaylin's family called the police and said, can you please go do a welfare check? Yeah. Because something's wrong. No one can get a hold of her. Mm-hmm. And it, no one could get a hold of him either. They he he wasn't. Mm-hmm. responding and so they had to do you know so they went to the house to do a welfare check you know hoping that they were going to find that she'd just been sick or you know whatever but unfortunately that is not what happened yeah so when police got to the house they kind of noticed that um, there was blood in the house. Yeah. And they were talking to Philip, of course. Yeah. But apparently they could tell pretty quickly that this was not your average welfare check, that he, that there was blood, like they yeah. could see blood in the house behind him as mm-hmm. he had the door open. Yeah. It was obvious there was something seriously wrong. Yeah. So he apparently told the police that he might have hurt her. Mm-hmm. And then he showed them to the backyard. Mm-hmm. And he said he had buried her, which was kind of true. He had buried her in a sort of shallow grave in which her face was still visible above the dirt. Yeah. Which, oh my God. Yeah. How terrifying to find, you know? Yeah. Yeah, law enforcement that responded to this case must have been so traumatized. So traumatized. I I can't imagine coming, you know, for a welfare check and finding this situation. Mm -hmm. So at that point, Philip did admit that he had stabbed and killed Kaylin. Mm -hmm. And the police put him in handcuffs and read him his Miranda rights. I mean, the, the solution of this case is simple. It's more of the why, I think, that is the bigger question here. Well, and all of the how, because the way this played out uh, on Facebook was ungodly. It was. So Philip posted literally hundreds of Facebook statuses between Friday morning and Monday morning Mm -hmm. of the weekend that, that Kaylin was killed. Mm-hmm. Some of it didn't make any sense. Some of it was actually directed toward Donald Trump, who was the president at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some of it actually alluded to what he had done. Some of it alluded to the fact that he had killed the two family dogs. Yeah. The two dogs had been sniffing around the grave. Yeah. Where, uh, where Kalen was buried. And so he killed them too. But here are some of the Facebook statuses that were very concerning. Yeah. Uh, what would I be doing with a shovel, bitch? If stabbing people is wrong, I don't want to be right. How to get away with murder twice. I'm not sure what that one means. Yeah. Dead is better. Good thing I have a get out of free jail card. I have a get out of free jail card. Dumb shit. I like drawing it out. You won't hurt any longer. She deserved quicker. Uh, They never said it would be this much fun. LOL. Um, At one point, there was a message that said, Dad, you're next. So anyway, that was only a handful of what he had posted. And it was pretty clear from his social media that he started posting things like that before he killed her. Right. So the only motive that's ever been actually reported by him Mm -hmm. is that she was thrashing in her sleep and she hit him and it made him mad. Yeah. And he had already placed the knife in their dresser uh, before they went to bed. And then uh, it sounded like maybe she had a habit of doing some thrashing around in in her sleep. Yeah. And he, uh, he said that she was hitting him uh, by accident in her sleep. And so he got the knife and started to stab her. She tried to run. He chased her down the hall and again, stabbed her 25 times. Uh, On the Facebook messages, her family said that he was known to post weird and creepy and inappropriate stuff on Facebook. He, yeah, he was. I did some looking at his page. Yes. And he'd, he'd posted some other weird stuff. Mm-hmm. They said anytime you watched a scary movie, he would post play-by-plays and weird it, things. They also said that in person, he was like that. He really creeped them out. This part is so sad to me. These, uh, She lived in Colorado, and when mm-hmm. she met him, she told her family she was falling in love with him, and they were like, oh, hold the phone. You know, they wanted her to just stay home and let them, you know, let her live with them and take care of her and help her work and, you know, Mm -hmm. have as normal a life as she could. And she Mm -hmm. insisted that she was in love and she needed to move to Idaho and live with this man. And they were brokenhearted. They were really worried about her and about the situation. And she kept really close ties with her family. And they said that uh, she never missed a birthday. She would always mail a birthday card and always give you a call, aunts, uncles, cousins, family. She was just so sweet and innocent and pure and beloved by her family and her coworkers. Really, everyone that knew her just adored her. But uh, I was just thinking about how that would feel if you had 
a vulnerable adult like that in your life who made a decision to move to another state with someone who was creepy and weird and you were worried about it. And then for seven years, she lived with him and his mama until, uh, until he killed her. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine for her family what that must have felt like every step yeah. of the way, you know. Yeah, terrifying and and heartbreaking for sure. Yeah. She um she had wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that had not happened for her, but her sister had a baby and I think was due for another one, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Around the time that this happened, I'm trying to remember, but I know that there was a, a little niece that um Kaylin absolutely loved visiting and loved getting to be a part of her life and stuff. It just was, that was a really big deal for her that, that yeah. she loved that little girl so much. Yeah. 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 This was a, this was a really painful situation for her family, for our community. This happened only a few blocks from me yeah. and it was just so shocking you know, what he'd done, how he'd done it, the the fact that he'd posted all this weird stuff on Facebook. And, you know, it was one of, if not the first time that his mom had left them alone for the for some time while she went out of town. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't do that very often. Mm-hmm. My heart absolutely breaks for her. Yeah. She clearly didn't think that he would harm Kaylin. No. Or no. she wouldn't have left them alone. No one did. Her family said that while they didn't like him, they didn't ever think he would have harmed her. They said he acted like he was afraid of his own shadow, not somebody that would, you know, stab somebody to death. You know? Yeah. There was one article, one time, that said that he was off of his meds when this happened. But that's the only right. time that was ever said. And so, you know, I am, I hesitate to fully believe that. But there was an article that said that right in the very beginning of this. Uh, I, I believe East Idaho News said that right in the very beginning. But uh, he was a volunteer at the zoo, at the local zoo. And the zoo people were stunned as well. Yeah. Anyone who knew this family just couldn't even fathom that this had happened. No, no, they couldn't. And, and, um, I think part of that, you know, this is a reminder that just because someone has a disability doesn't mean that they can't do harm, you know? Yeah. Um, the, you know, that came into, that was a huge part of the, um, the criminal prosecution here which there really wasn't much of one because he pled guilty and I know you're going to get into that but his disability his IQ that kind of thing really came to into play here yeah yeah well he initially pled not guilty and you know they started through the proceedings the process and of course as we know uh, especially right now like watching the Vallow case play out uh, a defendant has to be able to understand the charges that are brought against them and competent to participate in their defense, right? So he wasn't. 
he wasn't. But it wasn't one of those things that we could send you maybe to the, uh, you know, to the mental hospital like they've done with Lori for some rehabilitation because this was just who he was. Right. What they did is they allowed uh, some special visits to the jail by his mother yeah. because she could sit with him and help him understand what was happening and what was being said and, you know, what he was being accused of and what the process looked like. And so this dear woman had to go back to the jail many times to sit with him and help him understand things so that they could proceed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that's how they handled the uh, the fact that uh, he, you know, initially really wasn't competent for this. But this is how they worked through that is through these special visits with his mom to help him understand. Right. Uh, he did eventually plead guilty, which really uh, spared the family. Her brother gave the impact statement when they went to sentencing, and he said that it was a huge relief to them that they didn't have to go through a jury trial because that would have been horrific and additionally painful for everyone involved and just so unnecessary. I mean, my God, there were piles of evidence, you know. Oh, yeah. Enough evidence that they could have easily sought the death penalty. They chose to not seek the death penalty because of his disabilities, because of his IQ. And then in the impact statements uh, at sentencing, not the impact statements, but in the uh, the statement on his behalf, it talked about the fact that uh, because of his disabilities, and he has a chromosomal uh, disability that really has affected his cognition. And apparently this is something that, doesn't affect everybody the same. And so some people are really high functioning with this uh, issue and some people are lower functioning. He's obviously on the lower functioning end, but in their, uh, you know, in the conversation about him as they were making recommendations, it was said that uh, he was severely bullied as a little boy in school. And he has a pretty pronounced speech impediment a really pronounced speech impediment, actually. Yeah, he does. And that he was uh, terribly bullied and neglected as, as as a child. And just his life has been really cruel to this man. Uh, that's not a reason for him to murder somebody. Don't I'm not telling you, you know, that no. in any way. But that that's his past. And those are the things that were said at sentencing. Uh, well, and his IQ is 76, which is just barely too high to be considered uh, developmentally disabled or, or, you know, the older term, which is mentally retarded. He's just, mm-hmm. just on the cusp of that, which kind of changes, you know, I mean, they basically have to consider that he's, they can't really consider him mentally retarded because he isn't quite, Yeah, but he's very close. Mm-hmm. So that was a real challenge, I think. Yeah, 
it was, I think it was really hard for the judge and the prosecutor to decide like, what do we do with this person? You know, because is prison the right place for him? Well, eventually they decided it is because there's no guarantee he wouldn't do something like this again, you know? Right. And he did do this and he was very clear about him doing this. He admitted it immediately and then recalled that story over and over again. I mean, he did do it. He admitted to it. It's in black and white. It happened. Well, and it was premeditated. I mean, if you follow the Facebook page posts, Mm -hmm. he was posting about it well before he did it. It wasn't anything to do with her thrashing in her sleep. He had already decided before Mm -hmm. they went to bed that he was going to kill her. Yeah. She just uh, turned over wrong and gave him the, uh, the idea to get it going, apparently. Yeah. So what they did do was sentence him to 25 years to life in prison. They did give him time served because uh, he was in jail for two years before he was sentenced. Sentencing was only at the end of June. It just happened just just about 10 days ago. And that was the decision. Uh, Her family seemed to be at peace with it. They actually, uh, the recommendation that they had given the prosecutor was to not seek the death penalty. They did not ask for that. Uh, They didn't feel like it was really appropriate in this instance. So he's, of course, now uh, been transported to prison, to the Idaho State Penitentiary, where he will live for the next 25 years, at least. And we'll see. Uh, he's 35. He lived, so. Yeah, he's 35. So that would put him, uh, you know, well up in his years. But I... About 60. Yeah, 58, really. But if he lives through that 25 years, I think I'll be really surprised, to be honest. But it it is hard for me to imagine someone that's this disabled in prison. That's a very rough place. It makes me think about the story we did about the guy from Pocatello that was uh, murdered in prison Mm -hmm. by a serial killer, one of Idaho's worst serial killers. And I don't know if you guys remember that case, but he beat him to death with a sock full of batteries. And he was in prison for stealing a car and was uh, quite disabled because he had tried to kill himself in high school. He tried to shoot himself and was unsuccessful and Mm -hmm. was quite disabled from that. And he did not fare well in prison. And I don't suspect that this guy is going to fare well in prison either. Uh, this is a hard one. It's a hard one. I mean, he did what he did. He deserves the sentence that he got. You know, I mean, he is a killer. Absolutely. And again, mm-hmm. we have no ideas that he wouldn't do something like this again, you know, and so he is where he belongs. But it is a little tough one when you look at his uh, disabilities. And yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it is until you remind yourself that he killed Kaylin Blue, who was a sweet, loving, yeah. kind human being yeah. who loved him and her family and the people that she worked with dearly yeah. and did absolutely nothing to deserve this. And so, yeah, it is. It's, you know, none of these are straightforward, are they? No, no. It's never straightforward. Well, and then the fact that he killed both of the dogs, too. He killed the dogs, put them Horrifying. in a trash bag and just threw them in the trash can that easy that too you know all of it yeah 
and yeah. all the posting on Facebook. Like it just seems so uh, with yeah. zero amount of remorse or any kind of uh, conscience attached, you know, this act. So, but anyway, that's the sentence that he received and then what's going to happen for him or to him moving forward. But yeah, it's a hell of a case. It is. It is. It's definitely one that has captured the attention of people in our community, certainly captured our attention. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really uh, watching how this played out that the idea of doing a true crime podcast started brewing in my head. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I felt like we really needed to cover it because yeah, this was really an important one for us. But I do feel that at least for Kaylin's family, that there is some kind of justice. Yeah. That he pled guilty, that he's been sentenced, that he's in prison, you know. I mean, that's not going to bring Kaylin back to them, but at least they know that he can't hurt anybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And his family, too. His poor yeah. mother. I, my God. I know. I My heart really goes out to her. I cannot imagine. Yeah. What this must have been like for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. When this story broke, uh, East Idaho News, you know, had shared some of his Facebook posts and said he made all these Facebook posts. Well, the Facebook page was live. And so everybody and their dog went to the Facebook page, Christy and I included, and we're reading through all these posts in absolute horror. And seeing people making comments going, is Kaylin okay? What's going on? What are you guys doing? And, you know, she had posted on Friday that they'd been working in the yard and she was really tired. She'd had a, a big day at work and then worked in the yard and she was really tired and was staying in for the rest of the evening. And that was the last thing she posted. And she yeah. typically posted a lot and then nothing. And people thought that was weird. So it was coworkers and friends that were looking at these posts, wondering what was going on. I still for the life of me, can't understand how the police didn't make it there until Monday. And I'm not dragging the police. I don't, I, I can't understand how this behavior wasn't reported sooner, or maybe it was. And right. I, I, that's very confusing to me how, or if people just were used to his weird shit, you know, and went, well, and that might be it that because he'd posted strange things on Facebook in the past that they didn't think that this was anything that had any basis in reality. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I know. it. That part really baffles me, honestly. does me as well. But then, because he had a, basically an open Facebook page and he had been arrested, people went crazy on his Facebook page. There were hundreds mm. and hundreds of comments on every post of the most ugly things that you've ever seen. Like, it just it brought out hordes of people. It was like all of it was just so shocking and horrible and it really was. Yeah. Terrible. And, and then people had this opportunity to be like, you to attack you're him. an SOB. Yeah. I can't believe you did what you did, you know? And yeah, I don't know. There's just no, the yeah. whole thing went down in a very strange way. It did. It did. And then uh, I was reading some comments on the uh, arraignment, the news stories about the, with the arraignment where we actually heard his voice for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you realize, whoa, like this guy's very disabled. If you came across this guy and visited with him, you'd be, you would think that he was, you know, 
MR. You would. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the sound of his voice and uh, his the speech impediment, and people took that as a reason to attack and say really ugly things about disabled people, and like it just really it this incited some of the ugliest behavior out of strangers, local people that I had ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. After such a horrible thing had happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not that people didn't have the right to be angry and disgusted and everything, but uh, it just, it was shocking to see the way it all played out. Yeah. Well, you know, there's sometimes this implication that disabled people are less than human and that, that they do terrible things or, you know, that they don't have the same kinds of thoughts and feelings as everyone else, which is completely bogus. And of course they do, you know, we all have a disability in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. See me do math, you guys. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, this idea that if someone has a disability or a mental illness, that they're more likely to harm people, which is not true at all. Um, you know, or that the disability is to blame, which is also not true at all. Um, because in this situation, the only person to blame is Philip Schwab. Yep. He made the choices that he made. Yep. And he knew, I mean, he immediately told the police what he'd done and, Mm -hmm. you know. It, it, it seemed as though his, uh, the way he did that was in a very deadpan way. There was no emotion. It was just like, yep, this is. What happened? Yeah. 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 That And that part of it is scary to me, um, you know, because is this guy just a brewing psychopath and has been all along? Yeah. We don't know. But yeah, he, the way that he handled this, this, yeah, I did. I did this. I stabbed her. I killed her. Just like nothing. Totally flat. Scary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so there you have it. That is the murder of Kaylin Blue. Yeah, we wanted to share that with you. And this is our Monday case. So we will be back with two more uh, cases this week, along with our live streams on Wednesday and Thursday. And you should be proud of us because we both did pop-ups last weekend. And we're going to be better about pop-ups. We've just been gone a lot lately, but... Sometimes, you know, summer is summer is hard. We run as hard as hard as we can go out in the sun in this time of year because we don't get very much of it. But yeah. we're doing our best. So make sure to check all of those things out. If you haven't checked out our um, pop ups from the weekend and keep an eye out for some other great shows coming up the rest of this week. Absolutely. You know, we are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here. Take care.